Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm Roger Woodall, founder of the Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. With all events in 2020 grinding to a halt, I'll be bringing people back together, but in a different way. On this week's episode, I'm talking to festival promoter John Empson. Working his way up in the music industry, John has been behind some of the best live festivals in the UK, including the incredible Eden Sessions, Peaky Blinder Festival, and one of my favourites, Wilderness Festival. We chat about Oasis, Crazy Riders, how festivals have changed in the last few decades, and of course, how the events industry is going to come back with a bang. If you're liking our podcast, hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified every Wednesday with more fascinating stories like this. Here's the man himself, Mr. John Empson. John, great to have you on the show, mate. Good, nice good. to be here. Yeah, nice little studio, eh? Great. Nice. Yeah, good setup. Well, let's get cracking. Let's get straight into it. Obviously, you're one of the biggest promoters in the UK. How did it all start for you with Eden Sessions back in 2002 in Cornwall? So I spent the first part of my career working at record labels. So I was in the recorded side of the industry. Um, and we had, uh, I had family in Cornwall and when the Eden project was being built, which yeah. is basically a big clay pit in, in, in the ground in Cornwall, uh, I went to look at the build and I met the creative director, um, and we just went for a pint and I said, you know what? That place is a good place for a gig. You know? <laughs> and I'd seen the drawings, the architect yeah. drawings. That's a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, put music on there. It's going to work. And I had a, I ran a record label, uh, out of the beggars banquet group called Mantra. And we had, um, three or four artists. We brought them all down. Did a small show for a thousand people and, uh, the enemy gave it a 10 out of 10 review. Enemy is new musical express. Yep. You know, it was very powerful at the time. Yep. Uh, and the telegraph gave it a great, it said, it said something like it's the greenest gig that we've ever been to. Yeah. Um, and it kind of all started from there, but the, the, there was a bit of a clash of personalities between us and the people that ran Eden because it was all about the environment and horticulture. They didn't want anything to do with rock and roll at yeah, all. Yeah, In fact, yeah. there was quite a lot of resistance, but, um, you know, I think that gave us the impetus to, to move on. And then the next year we went, you know, let's try and do this properly. But, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing, to be honest, <laughs> you know, like all the great events, Absolutely. we just went, let's just try it. And yeah. uh, the, the, the interesting thing that happened was, um, the only sort of photographic sort of asset that I had was a book that Tim Schmidt, the owner had, had uh, written and published. And in the middle, there was a centerfold and it was a picture of Eden and it looked phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's like our space. Yeah. And uh, I took it around all the agents and uh, Jeff Craft, who was Pulp's agent, went, yeah. if I don't show this to Jarvis Cocker, he's going to be angry <laughs> because it's so, you know, in his remit, and he's yeah. just done the, the, the uh, album, which is all about the environment. And, and he was a great sort of initial supporter. Mm. He came down, did a, did a piece in the Guardian and then we did the show and it was amazing. And it was one of Pulp's last ever gigs. Was it? And I would say possibly still my favorite ever Eden session. Wow. It was incredible. Wow. And what year was that? 2002. 2002. Yeah. And what gave you, what gave you that buzz then to go, I really want to grow this now? Um, I think, you know, my, whilst I'd been as an A&R man and signing bands and, and all of that, I, I kind of ran out of steam with that. And the thing that really got me interested was going on tour with bands, you know, and I, I did a couple of tours. I did a tour with the cult and the charlatans and some of those bands. And I just really liked the live buzz yeah. standing in a room, yes. watching a band, knock it out. You know, Amazing. that was, you know, that, that's where it all started for me going to see, you know, the clash, you know, and the, when I was at school and yeah. stuff that, you know, immediately, obviously when I went to those kind of gigs, for me, it was a religious experience for my mates. They were just having a night out. But yeah. for me, it was like walking in the door, the ticket stuff, same, you same. know, the smell, the yeah. sound. I wasn't really interested in the bar. I just yeah. wanted to get right up front and watch these people play. Yeah. And that, that's the magic. That's still the magic. That still triggers, doesn't it? Same yeah. here. Yeah. And what about the, uh, the business model behind Eden Sessions Festival? Obviously, been going what 18 19 years now what does the business model look like is it like a a weekend festival is it a day festival is it it's a summer series is what i would call it so there are pretty much individual shows we have a license for eight shows um that we started it was three and there was at three thousand capacity now it's eight and it's at six thousand capacity so a lot of tickets being sold yeah um so six thousand capacity times eight shows yes wow and what sort of uh, headline acts have you had there so we've had some of the biggest bands in the world um we made a, a 
I, I always feel with events, they need to sort of reimagine themselves, reinvigorate yeah. themselves every sort of three to five years. And with Eden, we'd been, you know, we'd doing pretty well, but we needed to attract bigger artists, you know, and we didn't have the capacity for it. So we rebuilt the site and we, we built it up to 6,000. And then we thought, you know what? So that, you know, it's a very simple business model. Mm. It's, you know, ticket price times capacity yep. equals X. less costs. Yep. You know, that's how you make it work. So we went, let's try and get Elton John. You know, oh, he's wow. doing a tour. What, year, never was been what to- year was this? Roughly. It's about five years ago, six years ago. Wow. Six years ago, I say. And we were, he's never been to Cornwall. Never played in Cornwall. Oh, he had. He played the St. Austell Coliseum in like the yeah. 70s. Yeah. So it was a big story to bring him yeah. back. Two nights. And we just about made it add up by putting the ticket price up and, you know, knocking them down on the fee as far as we yeah, could. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, doing, <laughs> you do. t- doing two nights. <laughs> um, and it was just legendary, you know. Um, yeah, funny story. He sort of... You know, we, we, we had to sort of do, you know, amazing dressing rooms for him and, you know, food and beverage and all the rest of it. And in the end, all he did was fly in, in a helicopter, get onto the stage and then fly See off again. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw the riders. <laughs> Brilliant. Like what other big acts have you had there over the years? Uh, we've had a lot. We've had Oasis, have uh, you? Amy Winehouse, uh, Blink 182, Kasabian, Chemical Brothers, Massive Attack, Lionel Richie, Brian Adams. Yeah. I mean, we attract big artists now because in that part of the world, we're, you know, we're the show. Yeah. You know, obviously there's ball masters down the road, but that's yeah. a different type of show. That is isn't. It's a very young show. And yeah, a great, and a great show. Brilliant, it's amazingly brilliant successful. You know, we're pretty tight with those guys. We talk about bookings and stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of healthy competition, of course. Yeah. Um, but in the region, we're the, the biggest operators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what, what did you move on from there then? Did you, you move on to Wilderness Festival in Oxford? Yeah, well, I... Um, I always wanted to run my own festival. So I came up with this idea for a experiential kind of outdoor festival with, you know, to sort of cater for sort of surf culture, slightly more mature, sort of more discerning board masters, if you like, slightly smaller. Older crowd. Yeah. So we came up with this, this idea, which developed into Somersault Festival. So our headliners year one were Jack Johnson and Ben Howard. It was absolutely perfect. Perfect. Exactly, exactly right. And I knew that those two artists, Wherever they played in the Southwest, yeah, we're going to sell make it, at yeah. any capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the show. It was 20,000 cap. Um, I actually offered on the bands before I had a backer. Mm. So I was, I was up to my neck in this show. Yeah. Um, How much? Sleepless. Half a million. Half like a bar. Half a bar. Wow. Sleepless nights. The missus wow. didn't know, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Um, but I was confident because I knew the show would work yep. and I knew I'd find someone to back that show. Yep. Um, and I'd had an offer and I just went around all the operators and I, I met Tim Harvey at, at Mama, who's a career. Mama group. Mama group. Yep. Uh, who ran sort of quite a lot of festivals, including Wilderness yeah. and Lovebox, et cetera. Uh, and we just immediately sort of gelled and they brought a hell of a lot of, lot to that show, mm. made it into a sort of West Country wilderness, if mm. you like. And then we sold out year one. And what year was this? Uh, 2014. 2014, yeah. Um, what a setting for wilderness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lake, so, yeah. people diving into the lake, skinny dipping, yeah. banquets. We always say <laughs> that the site at Wilderness is one of the headliners. It, you know, that is the key. Absolutely. To any festival, really. When you invited me a couple of years ago, I was blown away. Yeah. I was blown special away. Special show. Special show. Yeah. The setting. And it seems like everyone was glamping and it was just a lovely crowd. Great the thing is, it's, like it's got this reputation for being a sort of, you know, Middle class, posh, posh, posh yeah, right. and it is. It there's is. a massive yeah, element yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. But there's also some quite dirty edges to yeah. it as well. Like you know, if you want to rave hardcore, yeah. you can do that. But if you want to have a banquet and drink champagne, you can do that or, too. Or both. Do both. You start the ideally at three, four in the morning. You're in the V-shaped valley down and having a rave there. Oh, I mean, his so the people we've had down yeah. in that valley. You know, yeah. I couldn't even mention their names. I but. love that when you create the. You, everyone turns up. You, you party all day, and then at eleven o'clock you open the valley. I think or midnight. Yeah, massive yeah, queues yeah. to get. There down there and you've built this wonderful bridge with a DJ in the middle of the bridge of the V-shaped valley and everyone's dancing on the sides it's it quite be- difficult on the ankles though isn't it it is very yeah. difficult how, long, how many people 
are meant to be down there. I'm sure I think there's it's a, five thousand. Is there? down there? Yeah, or and it might be more actually. Seems like more. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not enough really. And it, as you say, it's beautiful. But you know, those steep sides of the valley. Especially if it's wet. Quite a lot of broken ankles. Yeah, in yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And explain a little bit more to the to the listeners about Wilderness Festival because it's got that special edge to it that it's more of an experience you get a great experience there as well as the acts that you book I think it's a you know it's a 360 experience cultural 360 experience so you know you've got obviously main stage but you've also got late night you've got theatre you've got ballet you've got talks and debates it's it's kind of like a Sunday times of a festival you know you've got a bit of politics you've got a bit of culture um, and you know then there's a fair element of hedonism there you know one of the one of the (laughs) one of the funniest things is the cricket match you know it took me a couple of years before i really got what that was i was like they're playing cricket what the hell yeah and then i went to see it it's one of the funniest things isn't it how many streakers running on i think one year we had like 21 streakers (laughs) streakers. yeah yeah it's quite it gets gets quite obscene really but the funniest thing is uh the commentator so we have this company bearded kidney he's great isn't he he, i mean he should be on why he's on on tv i don't know i'm actually speaking to him at the moment are you i mean he's he's great yeah Yeah, he'd be great for your seven be brilliant for your show yeah 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 He's really on the edge, isn't yeah. he? And how how important is the for us at Bournemouth Sevens? Obviously, the food is super important for that yeah. experience. When I went to uh, Wilderness, you had these wonderful big marquees of twenty on a table banquets. Yeah, Explain yeah, to yeah, us yeah, about yeah. that. So every year, there's you know the food offering is huge at Wilderness anyway, mm. but the banquet, the long table. Feasts, banquets uh, are curated by chefs. Yeah. So you have Angela Harnett, you know, Ottolenghi, and they'll put a menu together and there'll be, I don't know, 200 people in That's a marquee, right. you know, eating the menu. It's amazing, but it gets pretty wild. It does. Dancing on like tables, dancing on I tables. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a lot of money. You see someone's foot in your dinner. Yeah. It's like, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But no one seems to care. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. And a great atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And it's just this wonderful, like-minded people in a field for three days who are probably 28 plus, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a younger element there too. Yeah. But, you know, it's... It's, it's an older, it's, an average really age. really 18 to 28, I'd say. Yeah. 30 maybe. Yeah. Similar to your yeah. demographic. Yeah. But there are older people there and there's families there yeah. too. But that's, that's the core. Yeah. And um, I mean... You know, it's become a bit of a celebrity hangout, but they all sit, feel pretty relaxed there. There's never any paparazzi. We don't allow any That's of that right. stuff to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, sadly, David Cameron came one year and that, you know, <laughs> that that killed it. Fucked <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, I noticed the crowd felt very London. Yeah. Is that a target yeah, yeah, audience yeah, yeah. for you when you're doing your marketing for festival? Do you home in on that London crowd? Totally. It's all tube stations, West London, East London. You know, the the majority of people are, you know, obviously it's a bit of local, but it's it's that day out, mm. the day out of London. And because mm. it's a three-day camping festival, don't do any day tickets. No, so it keeps everyone in the same boat for the whole weekend. Yeah. You Luckily, know. you gave me some day tickets. Did I? Oh, straight off, off, off books, mate. <laughs> off the books. <laughs> we weren't glamping either. We made sure we were in a hotel that weekend. Yeah, I think local hotels do very well. They do, don't they? But what, I, what fascinated me was the actual setting and you just see thousands of glamping tents as you mm. walk through that big 200-metre walk going through the festival at the start. Then you come to the lake. Yeah. There's people diving in the lake and swimming around. And I mean, one of the interesting things about wilderness is that it's one of the... It has one of the highest sponsorship tags in the yeah, business. You know, they smash it on they sponsorship, do, don't they? but you will not see a logo on site. That's very true. That's what I liked. Yeah. And you yeah. won't see a plastic tent. Yes. You know, everything has got to be, you know, perfect. The so the creative creme. sort of control over stuff is all done by our team. Yeah. So someone will come in and go, you know, some brand will come in, I want to do this. Well, we'll make a champagne garden for yes, you. That's right. Or we'll, we'll do, or we'll a activate gin, something. a gin tent. Something, and it'll have yeah. your name on it, but be much cooler yeah. than having a massive plastic logo yeah. or, you know, neon sign or yeah. something. So that, that's interesting. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's considered the sort of, you know, pinnacle for a brand to, yeah. have, to be on that site. And, and when you're, when you've been working on this for years, at the actual festival world itself, what's the capacity there? 30,000. 30,000. It yeah. sells it every year, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Wow. I mean, when I started, I went to have a look. I went with my family and I thought it was amazing, but I felt the music could use a bit of a kick. Yeah. So I spoke to the, you know, our directors and I said, look, I think if you want me to do this, we can really build this show up. Yeah. You know, we, we, we added a, a bit to the budget and we put Bjork, 
the first year I did it as a UK uh, exclusive. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Ben Howard on the Sunday, who wow. was, you know, having a real moment as well. Yeah. So that kind of put us at a different level mm. in terms of the music there. Um, I think it changed the festival a little bit yeah, absolutely. You know, for the better, Yeah, you know, because you can have all of these amazing experiences, but I do think you need that big main stage moment mm. as well, at least. Well, it puts that, that big main stage moment is great when you are there, but as a promoter and event, a festival owner, that puts a lot of pressure on you to go and book all these acts because you're going into that festival, maybe spending, depending what festival is, half a million, a million, million and a half. That puts you under a lot of pressure to make sure you've got to sell 20,000 tickets to break even. And you know what? A lot of that it's done on gut yes you know it really is and yeah. you know who you think is gonna gonna sell the tickets yeah. and you know of course you can do all your research and all the numbers and all the rest of it but selling a you know quite a lot of people say let's put x back because they've just sold out 202s yeah that's a very different ticket to sell to a weekend ticket yeah. and the commitment that takes and the expense you know mm. so it doesn't add up necessarily so mm. suddenly you put your line out and you go hang on we've Didn't only work. signed a cut sold Didn't a couple of thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. so in a festival as you know you well, maybe you don't but we mm. we have to scrap for tickets mm. you know because we're you know our margins are tight and yeah. that last 10 percent is mm. key so if you've if you're 80 sold out you're still only breaking even mm. so you've you really scrapped for those last yeah, tickets yeah, yeah. You know, you've got a market old school promoting. old school what you sort know? of acts have you booked at wilderness over the years uh, um, so, I mean, it's not massive, you know, we, we don't, we don't go for the, our, our budget is low. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a difficult show to book because mm. it's big, mm. but we don't have the budget of a latitude, yes. you know, so we or rely a live, on- a live nation or someone. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, we, we, we pull favours, yes. put it that way. So the Bjork thing was, it came about because David Levy, her agent, wanted to do something interesting and spectacular, something that would, that would sort of- you know, be part of her creative sort of view of that album and that year. Yeah. And Wilderness kind of ticked all those boxes with nature and plants yeah. and stuff. It's not always money mm. that secures you the band, mm. you know, so that well, it year, comes down to relationships again. It does. Yeah. It really does. We have Grace Jones, we had Groove Armada, um, Crystal Fighters, uh, Christ, yeah, you know, loads. Robert Plant, wow. you know, all sorts really. Yeah. Some work, some don't. Yeah. Do you, do you find a lot of pressure doing that? Yeah, it's probably the most pressurizing yeah. part of the job, to be honest, yeah. because there's a lot of moving parts in yeah. booking acts. It's not just like, I want that band, how much? It's like, when are they around? What else are they doing? What period might they do? When's their record coming out? You know, yeah. there's loads of decisions to be made there. And, you know, agents like to slightly play festivals off as well, because yeah. they're, they're going, right, they've got a band and a manager going, I want to do Europe, yeah. you know, in, in July and August. So what, for example, can you get me? For example, they want half a million quid. Yeah. You'll say, I would like them for half a million quid, but you know, a couple of other festivals are after them as well. The agent might say, well, give us 600. You can have them. There, there's a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of that. And then the other festival might go, well, we'll give you seven, you know, yeah. that it, it does become a bit of a bidding war. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly with an AG or a live nation, they're, they're offering them 20 shows or 30 shows, yeah. you know, or have them already tied up, yeah. you know? So. It's a case by case situation, but the, the thing that really counts is your relationship with the agents yes. at the end of the day. And I learned that very, very early when I sort of made quite a few mistakes. And yeah. one quite a big agent who remained nameless said to me, look, John, don't talk to the band. Don't talk to the man. Don't talk to the record. Just talk to the agent. Cause actually we know more about their lives than they do. Yeah, yeah. We know where they're going to be and how they're going to get there. Yeah. And, you know, what the logistics are. Yeah. So, you know, you learn that. And also if you do talk to the manager, the agent kind of, you know, hates you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the biggest high for you at a festival set at Wilderness? What's been the biggest high over the years? <sighs> well, I'll tell you what, let's go in, let's go start with, what's the biggest low for you? Okay, so there was there's, uh, there's a was a really big low, which was my last ever show at Wilderness, which was in 2019. And uh, the last wilderness, I knew I was leaving. So it was kind of, you know, it was, a, it was a big moment. And it was Groove Armada. They hadn't been playing for a while. It was kind of exclusive. It was a Sunday night. Big audience was there. And uh, and I was with all my friends and family and colleagues. And it was like, it was a bit of a party moment. It's yeah. like, John's leaving. Let's, you know, yeah, let's yeah, big yeah. this up. Yeah. I said, I'd meet you in front of the main stage. Of course, I couldn't find anyone. It was so crowded. And the band came on. And then two songs in, the PA went down. And I was there. The band. I was there. You were there. Yes, yeah. I remember. So the band start uh, uh, smashing yeah. the stage. But they, they didn't don't realise that the right. PA is shut down. So they carried on as normal, didn't yeah. they? And all those crowds were like, 
Oh my God, what's going on? And I'm on so, radio and I can hear like people screaming and oh shouting. And I could see people running around oh and like, no. you know, plugging things in and pulling them out again. And I'm like, and it went on for a long, it felt like an hour, but it's yeah. probably like four or five minutes. Um, Poor so you. That what, was were you bad. what were you thinking? I was thinking this is, you know, you do get the odd dropout sometimes, yeah. and you know, a band start. It may, maybe it's the band that was, you know, and made then it a flicked back on very quickly. Then it came back, and I, yeah. and, and it was all right. But you, you know, if it had gone down, yeah, there would have been a bad way to leave. Yeah, the business, but it also would have been really bad for of the course. festival. How and, did and that feel band. for you, though? Because I remember watching it. God, it none of us really like cared, forever. really. But the, yeah. the band would carry on as normal, which was amazing. <laughs> Obviously, you cared as well. But what were you, what were you thinking? It must have felt like half an hour that five minutes. It was a strange one because you know, I, I was, I think you know, we. We, we use a guy called Neil McDonald, who's probably yeah. the best production manager on the planet. He's Radiohead's guy and, you know, does Hyde Park and Finsley Park and all those things. And uh, I could see him getting flustered and he never gets flustered. Wow, okay. And so I thought something, something's gone down here. Wow. You know? uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Shit happens. It's not the biggest thing. That's the beautiful of live events. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you your remember toes, it. it. You certainly <laughs> do remember it. What's there, have you found when booking acts over the years? Has there ever been a problem with exclusivity rights? And just explain to the listeners yeah, awesome. what what exclusivity rights is. So you know, if you book a if you book a band, you don't want every other festival having the same lineup. That's kind of where it stems from. Yeah. But of course, you know, it, 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 it's become a bit of a power game. So yeah. if a live nation or an AG is spending a seven figure amount on a band, they don't want them playing anywhere so a million, else. So a million quid plus, say yeah, a could competitor. Be easy. Yeah. Reading leads are very tight on exclusivities. Yeah. And as a promoter, you under what you, you understand why you don't want the same lineup somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, a festival you might, you know, thinks not as good as yours yeah. or is going to impact on your brand or your sales, which yeah. un- undoubtedly it will. Yeah. Um, it's a strange sort of dichotomy. It's a game because bands want to play loads, yes. but actually they're getting the big number. They're only going to play once yeah. in front of a big crowd yeah. or beer. So, you know, we, we put a exclusivity on our shows at Eden. No, no okay. call Devon or Cornwall shows yeah. uh, three months either side because yeah. you don't want the same band playing at Boardmasters yeah. or somewhere else, yeah. you know, because you, you're not going to sell the tickets. Mm. So that's how it works. And if you're a uh, independent, it's kind of tough to get around those. Mm. But everything's negotiable yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, so a, a decent agent will go, right, I'll take this amount for your headline Reading show, but I want to carve out a couple of special shows for my band. Okay. You know, so they might play at Blue Dot or Eden okay. or wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's where you can kind of get a win. Yeah. We get quite a lot of wins with Glastonbury because, you know, we're, we're in the area and, you know, we get a warm up. And they don't really have exclusivity because mm. they don't announce the lineup. Mm. And do you feel these days that it's going more experience over headline acts? I go for the experience. I mm. don't go for the headline act. I don't care who's on the headline mm. act. But it seems to me that... Some people do. Some people do. <laughs> but I'd yeah. imagine when you get there, maybe the headline actor isn't as important because you're having such fun if you've got a great experience. What are you yeah, I think that's right. I think it's, it's, it's personal to every single individual, mm. you know, because you could be a really hardcore music guy, you know, like I am. And then when it comes to it, you know, you're watching some theatre in the theatre field and you don't want to go and see The Cure on the main yeah. stage at Glastonbury or whatever. Yeah. So I guess it's having the option to do all that stuff. I personally believe you need it all. Sight. Yeah. Main stage, yeah. food, theatre, late night. Like-minded people. Yeah. All yeah. those things add up to a great festival, you know, mm. and if one of those is missing, you're going to have a bit of a gap. But again, it's different festivals. Like Reading and Leeds or Download is just simply about the music. Yeah. It's about nothing well, it's else. It's a big rectangle, and, isn't yeah, it, with the main stage? It's a stage and a field, yeah. field, a main stage with incredible acts, and yeah. that's the only reason people go yeah. is for the music, yeah. you know. What's your, um, what's your biggest high you've had over your career? It's it's making the things happen. The re- the real buzz for me, yeah. You know, I'll be honest with you, is when I confirm an act. Yeah, an when I get that email, yeah. that goes, you're confirmed. Oh. I'm just like, I'm like, it's like sense of relief, yes. achievement, and you're like, and then you ring people and go, guess who we've, guess got, who we've got? You know, and that yeah. that's that is the buzz. Yeah. When you don't get them, when you get the email going, thanks for your offer, but we're not doing it. I feel depressed. Yeah, I get really low on yeah. that. I'm not good at taking that news. Yeah. I know I should be. I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Still pisses me off. Yeah. Even if it's first on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, why not? Why, why not? <laughs> I thought we were getting on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it does drag out like that. Tell me a story about Oasis. I, I, as you know, I moved out of London 
about 10 years ago, I didn't really want to move out of London, but my wife's having a third child and, you know, it was one of those things like life change, yeah. you know, I'm not really a country person, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But I'd borrowed a sit-on mower from my neighbor and I was mowing my lawn, I was the bucolic experience. And my phone went, I was on the mower and uh, I turned the engine off and, and it was Ben Winchester's Oasis's agent. And he went, I've got a kind of, something to discuss with you. I've got a band from Manchester. I can't tell you who they are. I knew exactly who they were because he's only got one band. Yeah. And uh, he said, they're putting an album out and they want to do a global TV a show and then they want to film it for MTV and they want to transmit it to like 35 territories globally. Yeah. I was like, well, this is brilliant. And they yeah. were at their peak. Amazing. They were doing a stadium tour, doing two nights at Wembley Stadium. Wow. Um, and I was just like, yes, this is just amazing. amazing. Um, but the counter to that is... He, he rang, I said, hi, Ben, how are you? He went, I'm fine. I'll tell you who's not fine, Noel Gallagher. He's just been pushed over on stage in Canada. He's broken seven ribs and he's in hospital and he's cancelling the whole tour, oh including God. your show that's happening in two days' oh time. Oh, my God. <laughs> how did you Amazing. feel? There was nothing you could really yeah, do yeah. because it was a legitimate excuse. Yeah, it, was it wasn't all over, like he didn't fancy it. It was all over Sky News. It was, it was all over massive. everything, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, you know. Well, someone ran on he stage, got shoved him. I think someone was hiding behind the sort of back line and they got on stage somehow. And uh, while they were playing, they he, they pushed Noel over from behind. He's playing guitar, so he's kind of relaxed. Yeah. He fell onto the monitor. I mean, it, it could have killed him. Wow. You know, if he'd fallen into the pit, probably he could have broken his neck. It was, and the guy so, went to prison quite rightly. So Noel rightly, Gallagher so. could have got killed by that. Yeah, wow. I mean, you know, how it happened, I don't know. Wow. But security, you know, since then, of course, has been yeah. super tight, yeah. you know, and, and and it should be. Yeah. But um, there's some crazy people out there. But, it, you know, it didn't really help us. But they did reschedule and do the show a year later. Wow. So they cancelled two days before. What What did you have to tell me? <laughs> the punters? Well, it was a strange one because it was this TV show and album launch and all the all the, the ticket money had yeah. gone through their merchandising company and uh, it was all tied up and uh, basically no one got their hands on that money for a year. Yeah. So it was it was tricky. Oh, and there was wow. an insurance wow. issue and it was boring. And it's a good story. It ends up being a good story, yeah. yeah. And Liam, Liam, Liam came back and uh, um, he played last year. Did a Fantastic. great show, and Noel was booked for this year, but yeah. sadly couldn't do it. What's the most amount of pressure you found yourself under when you're booking big live bands and acts? Everything's negotiable, right? Mm. You know, so when I was working at Mama, we got bought by Live Nation, you know, and the Eden Sessions was was not a Live Nation show. That was separate. And I used to be able to wiggle a few bands out of their exclusives of Live Nation because I was sitting in their office, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And then before long, you know, they noticed that was going on and put a stop to that. <laughs> uh, so that was tricky. But I think you can sometimes get around these exclusives. Look, if someone is paid you know, a few million quid to play in Hyde Park. Yeah. They ain't playing anywhere else. Yeah, However good mates you are yeah. with the singer or the promoter. Yeah. Uh, so that's just, that's a done deal. But, you know, when I'm doing shows in London, you know, you always, if you're Live Nation, you're up against AG and vice versa, yeah. you know, and it becomes a numbers game. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's tough yeah. because you got to sell your tickets. And by that stage, you're probably in extended negotiation and there isn't anyone else available. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the times I've been going, right, I might not get that band. Mm. Who else can I get? And you're literally almost going through your record collection yeah. and going, right, wow. let's get REM yeah. to refill. <laughs> <laughs> so you're paying big money for them. So you pay big money for the acts. Tell me about their riders and tell the <laughs> listeners what a rider is. So there's, uh, there's a production rider and there's a hospitality rider. Production rider is all the kit they want on stage, the lasers, the bells and whistles, you yeah. know, the mini stage and yeah. all that stuff, which... Yeah costs yeah. right it's a headache yeah but it is there to enhance their show and you're putting you're buying their show yes so the difficulty is you go right i want to book you in september you do the deal and in march they're going right what we're bringing on this show is you know three live sheep a camel and eight <laughs> different you know what i mean three-legged donkey yeah yeah, yeah, can we, yeah. so that is a challenge but yeah. you, you know you, you you cater for that in yeah. your budget so yeah. you know something's going to happen so basically they're going to want to scream so they're demanding this stuff on top of their fee for you to then go out and make sure that's all there when they arrive yeah it depends what sort of show you're doing if you're doing a festival show generally you you offer the fee plus Festival production yep. and rider yep. is kind of what you say. Yeah. But then they will say, this is what we want to do the show. And they'll, and the agent will go, look, 
we can't do it without this round screen and this, that, and this right. orchestra. Yeah. And then there's a negotiation, but you, you know, you get to the point. But the catering ride is the interesting one, the one that everybody talks about, yeah. which is they go, you know, okay, we've taken, we've, we've nearly bankrupted you over the fee. Yeah. And then we've asked for the stage and the camels and everything. <laughs> On top of that, now this is the interesting bit. We want three course meal. We want sushi. We want champagne. And, you know, and that can be extensive. And, to a small show, it's, you know, when your margins are so tight, yes. it can actually screw you. Absolutely. So, you know, you have to duck and dive there a little bit. And yeah. at Eden, we're like, well, you know, I know you want that, but we can't really get that. But what we can get you some really great local pasties, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, we give them an experience that they might not get mm. somewhere else. And quite often it's just, you know, someone's made that up in an office somewhere yeah. and gone, when it, whichever show we go to, we want it. And the artist might not even want it. Yeah, yeah. You know. And regarding the artist, are you paying them 100% up front before they come on stage? No. It's the, the the general rule is fifty percent up front and fifty percent first working day after the show. Right. Okay. But those are also negotiable. If you're, you know, if you're just starting, mm. they might ask for hundred percent up yes. front yes. before announcement. Yeah. But you know, if you've got a track record and they know everyone gets paid and there's never been any problems, mm. then that's fine. In the pandemic, uh, it's become a sort of key point on how we operate next year. You know, if we have to pay fifty percent to all the artists. Mm. And then it's cancelled again. It's going to be a problem for everyone. And would they that fifty percent you pay? Would they keep it, that money? Possibly, yeah. Depending on what your insurance claims are. Yeah. I mean, that money officially has to stay in escrow. They can't touch it until yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, but as we were talking before the show, I think everybody's kind of coming together a little bit in this the pandemic. The whole events industry has come together in yeah. this last six seven months massively. It's a it's an interesting one for me. You know, and I, I kind of hate to say this because I feel like sort of selfish, but I think I kind of needed this pandemic yeah, personally yeah. because you live your life so fast yeah. and, you know, you do one show and then you go on to the next one. And I, I haven't had a break in 20 years, yeah, really. Yeah. And I sort of needed a summer to go, right, who am I? Where am I going? Yeah. And, and what's the industry doing yeah. here? And why are we falling into these habits that yes. actually are kind of quite destructive, yes. you know, and actually maybe I need to sort of... Be at home for a summer with my family, yeah. which has been brilliant, yeah. you know. Um, but chomping to get back in the field. <laughs> yeah, I actually have to say it was a kind of relief not to have to go to 10 festivals yeah. or, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm I'm bang up yeah, for it. Same. You know, I'll be back, same. you know, with full energy. I want 20 festivals next year. Yeah, <laughs> I think I needed, a, I needed a break, Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, agree. You know, I think everybody did. And I think, you know, sometimes... There's a lot of competition out there and it's all cutthroat. And, but now I feel everyone's going, you know what? People really have suffered. Yeah. You know, a lot of our crew and, uh, you know, self-employed and they've had no help at all and they really have suffered. Mm. Um, so we need to be good to them. Yeah. Because they make our show happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, you think about all the, all the people that make our show. Yeah. You know, all the suppliers. All we do is go, yeah, we want to put a good show and someone's going to do it. Absolutely. Who puts all the staging up? Who puts all the lighting rigs? You know, all the sound, the flooring, Mm. the marquees, the tents, the Wi-Fi, the security, the toilets, the showers. You know, they, it's a huge ecosystem. Huge it's massive ecosystem. and it's, huge. you know, and it's, it's broad. And, uh, I don't think, you know, it's been dealt with brilliantly, um, you know, by the government, but nevertheless, I think we'll come back strong. Mm. Some people probably, you know, won't come back at all, but we've got to come back next year. Or certainly a lot of people won't yeah, come back. Yeah. You know. I think it's interesting your point there, how the industry's come back together massively. And I think it needed a shake up. Yep. It needed everyone to come back and work together. And I found it interesting. What are your thoughts on Live Nation announcing that they want to pay the axe 10% up front and then 90% post-festival? Yeah, I think that's, you know, something that I know other companies are doing as well. And I think that's all about the insurance and the, the contractual clauses. You know, it's not trying to rip anybody off. Yeah. It's just trying to safeguard Protect. an industry. When you think the hard costs for a Live Nation or an AEG per month mm. are multi-million. Yeah, yeah. They've had these structures, these huge venues. Yeah. They haven't sold a ticket since February. Yeah. You know, everybody's really hurting. So if you suddenly, you know, the, you know, the, the biggest expense at a festival is your artist fee. Yes. You know, and if you pay 50% of that up front yeah. and there's another pandemic, yeah. then, you know, everybody's screwed. And if everybody's screwed, what happens to the whole music industry? Yeah. 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 What you happens know? to events industry? Yeah. Everyone loves events. 
Yeah. Everyone out there loves to go to an event. There's a sporting event, it's a music event, it's a conference, an exhibition. It's everyone loves to well, go to We're social events. people. We're, social, we're people. social animals and you know, we like to be with people, yeah. you know. We also like to get away from people, yeah. but there's a point where you want to be with everybody yeah. experiencing the same well, thing. You want to be dancing, having a beer, having a laugh with your friends in a field. Yeah. Or at a concert. It's, or it's, it's pretty simple. It's isn't really it? simple. <laughs> I like to keep it really simple. Yeah, me know. too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so just going back there, Live Nation. What do live what festivals do Live Nation own? They're the biggest festival and events operators world. Wide. Is that right? They're the biggest promoter in the world, yes. yes. What do so, they own in the UK? Reading and Leeds, Download, Latitude, so Isle of Wight. Download is in Derby? Uh, yeah, uh, up north somewhere. Up, I'm not yeah. sure exactly. Latitude I think. is Suffolk. Suffolk. Yeah, Reading, in Reading, Leeds, yeah. Leeds, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, Download, uh, Isle of Wight. Isle of Wight. Um, yeah. What else do they own? I mean, they... they they bought the Mama Group, so they own Wilderness, they own The Great Escape, they own Love Box, they own Park Life now. Did they own Park Life up in Manchester? Park Life, yeah. And Love Box uh, is in London? London, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they, there's something like 23, 23, first, yeah, Festival Republic oh, is part, part of, of Live Nation. Yeah. With Melvin Ben got bought out, did he? Uh, they came together. They together, together, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's Dennis Desmond and, and Melvin Ben. Yeah. They kind of run Live Nation. But they bought... They bought a label festival, you know, they yeah. bought a lot, a lot Camp of festival. festivals. Camp festival now. Yeah. yeah. That was a shame. You know, look at festival, Rob the Bank and, and yeah. you know, and I think, God, what an amazing festival that was. That was one of my favourites in the country going over to the Isle of Wight. I felt like going on holiday. Yes. 30,000. I remember going at the start when it was 10,000. But you know, the thing is, Roger, you live in Bournemouth, so you know how easy it is to get to the Isle of Wight. Mate, mate, that little bit of water mate, can I just was such a barrier <laughs> to get to. I know, but know? can I just tell you what a bull lake it is to get to, you say yeah. it's easy, yeah. it's not. Yeah. But it's easier than going train, to train. Tea in the Park in Scotland. Oh, yeah, of course. You know. Yeah. But actually to get there from Bournemouth, like train, taxi, boat, boat, taxi, get there. I think <laughs> the thing about festivals which people don't understand is getting in and getting out is key. Yes. And those are your kind of, your Barriers, first and last they? memories. Yeah. And if you go to a wet festival, yeah. a wet Isle of Wight, yeah. and you've got to queue up with a mud and get on a ferry and yeah. get back to London or wherever you're going... Yeah. It kind you of may, dampens, you, doesn't you know, it? you've got to have your favourite band playing yeah. next year to, yeah. to make it worth. Or if it was really sunny, you'll come back. But the weather makes a huge difference <sighs> to people's mindsets. It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, I always say this, you know, the, 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 it's a crazy way to make money, mm. you know, or, or lose money. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, so you're relying on the most unreliable people in the world, yeah. as in musicians, yes. you know, and to, the to, to be the anchor. <laughs> and the other unreliable thing is the weather in yeah. the UK. And yeah. so, you know, all your marketing is sunny, lying by the yeah. pool, the, the lake, and, yeah, you know, yeah, cricket yeah. match at Wilderness. Yeah. And then, you know, come August <laughs> the 3rd, <laughs> no one's taking a photo that You know, year. it's interesting that you look at the weather forecast on the apps these days. No one knows. Yeah, I know. You know, I, and you, you know, you know what we're like. We're looking down. at three different versions, Absolutely. like Met, Tech, Apple, whatever yeah, it is. One? I was, I was sort of <coughs> lean to the one that says sunny. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Get the old mindset good. Let's move on to AEG. What do AEG own? Uh, so AEG run. Uh, I mean, the Live Nation AEG are both American companies. Mm. So AEG probably best known for Coachella. Um, yeah. That's some festival, isn't it? Yeah. Have you been? I've never been. No. no advice. One, no. I, one, one I want to do. Um, yeah. We all want to get to Coachella. Yeah. Um, High Park, they run British Summertime. And what's that? A series of uh, gigs each night for three, 60,000 capacity. I think they have to run five or six shows. Uh, so that's probably the, you know, that's probably has the biggest paycheck of, of any yeah. show in the UK. Yeah. And then they also run All Points East now. And where's that? In uh, that's in Victoria Park. Victoria so Park. So we used to run Lovebox and Citadel there. Yes. Uh, but we lost the tender uh, for the part to AG and they started All Points East. Is that right? So, yeah. How many we years has that we been weren't best happy about that at the time. Oh, I, bet. <laughs> I bet. How many, how many years has uh, that been running for? Uh, I think they're on year three now. Are they? I think, And yeah. is it because they paid a bigger higher fee? Or their contract, yep. is that what it was? They paid a bigger high fee to get that deal? Yep. Wow. I mean, the tender process isn't as simple as just money. Right, okay. There's lots of other stuff. And, you know, you've got to, you know, I, I'm not an expert on it, but I've seen the tender. It's like, you know, it's like okay. a, a book. Um, and, you know, you've got to deal with the council and residents and yeah. transport and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe they were better at that. They'd yeah. done, you know, slightly better. They'd, they'd had years at Hyde Park. But yeah, okay. Live Nation and AG are in, in competition, yes. you know, I think now they're not as competitive yeah, yeah. right now because they've recognised that they're both going to be in trouble. I mean, mm. there's going to be a bit of recovery period for this year, you know, all around. And I think people won't be taking as big a risks. Yeah. 
you know. And so there may be less shows. Yeah, I think there will be. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, you say, take less risks. I think people have got to put more energy into the experience. Mm. From when you walk in that door to the food, to the experience you're getting, the whole of the festival, and even when you're leaving. Mm. You know, that's what the key is. And that's going to be tough because we're probably going to have some kind of, you know, vaccine passport, yep. some kind of proof you've had it, okay, right? To you walk know, in the door. So that's going to make yeah. ingress, you know, slightly longer yeah. and, you know, protracted, um, you know, I think we'll all, the good thing is we, we're thinking about this early, so we will know how to do it mm. when it when it gets to it. Mm. But I think shows like Eden will be quite easy to deal with. Uh, they've been dealing with visitors going to Eden Project all year anyway yeah. when yeah. They, they could. But Reading and Leeds, Hyde Park, Glastonbury, mm. that's going to be slightly tough. Mm. It's going to be cost element to that. Mm. Especially with the numbers. What's Reading, 80,000? I think it is now, something 80, like 000. that. 70, 80,000, yeah. Glastonbury, 200,000? Yeah. Jesus. And then you've got Leeds. Yeah. What's that? 60 maybe? Something like that. Yeah. These yeah. are big, big, yeah, big numbers. Large, large amount of people. I mean, think Reading though, you know, it's sort of, One the maximum age day. is like 18 really. 16. Once you get to 19, you're not going to Reading anymore. Yeah. It's basically, 16, isn't it? yeah, it's GCSE, yeah. school leaders. Did, leavers. Did it's like, Bain say in the campsite, there's 100,000 16 year olds. On the Wednesday On the Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So he's running the biggest kind of post GCSE prom party. My God. You know, and they're hitting it hard. They're smashing it, aren't they? <laughs> aren't they? The funny thing is the bars are empty. Yeah. Official bars. Because no one can buy a drink. No one can buy a drink. <laughs> let's, move, let's move on a little bit to the London festivals. Obviously, yeah. the business model of, of running festivals and owning festivals is there's lots of revenue streams. And one of the mm. biggest revenue streams is obviously camping or glamping and obviously the ticket entry or the upgrades, the VIP or VVIP and the catering and sponsorship. But if yep. you're looking into a London festival... That's a difficult market. And I've seen a lot of London festivals pop up to do one day events. The revenue streams there are, are, are cut in half because no one's camping or glamping. Yeah, I suppose you've got uh, a captive market there, mm. you know, big city in Europe. And you, you're pretty guaranteed, if you get the, the right bill, you're going to get the artist. So you, you've got more chance of selling tickets. One, I suppose. Yeah. And obviously sponsorship is a massive yeah. stream there. Yeah. Um and VIP is big. Mm. You know, there's lots of VIP. I mean, at British summertime, there's something like eight different levels of VIP. Yeah. You yeah. know, you'll get a proper VIP service there if yeah. you want it, yeah. you know, Golden Circle, all that kind of stuff. So again, you've got to be creative, but it's it's really about volume. It's purely about volume. And what yeah. time did the license go till? Ten thirty. Is it ten thirty? Yeah. You stop drinking. Yeah, start live music at wow. ten thirty. I think bars too. Yeah, wow. You need to get everyone out by eleven. Wow. As a rule. Wow. But that's pretty standard around the country, to be honest. Maybe not Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love a pilot at Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What time do you run to? Uh, one. Okay. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could go on a little bit longer. I don't want to. It's that's enough. live for us. That's live music on a main stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, so wilderness goes on till four. Yeah, but that's DJs. Yeah, I know, love that wilderness till four party. Isn't that in the V-shaped valley? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh awesome, my god, that it? goes off, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, wow. I work all day on the. Well, I did. I don't work there anymore. But I work all day on the main stage. Yeah, and then that finishes at eleven. And then Are you in there on Sunday night to have a little party. Yeah, then everyone's knuckling and they go home. Shatters, yeah. I'm ready for it. <laughs> but I'll be out till four as well, and then up at eight the next day to, you know, you get that on that adrenaline yeah. thing. Because, you know, I go to festivals with my family and all their friends yeah. and all our friends, and they all have a brilliant time. And I'm walking around with walkie talkies, walkie stressed yeah. out. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Paying for them. Paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> Name some other London festivals. So uh, you've got Field Day. Yep. Which is, you know, Field Day used to operate on Victoria Park as well. Yep. They've, when we lost Victoria Park to AG, as in Mama Group, yep. uh, we looked to go to Brockwell Park in Brixton, but yep. that became untenable. It's, it's a hard part to, you know, parts and are difficult to operate in yeah. because Especially Brixton, the public feel they own them, yeah. you know, and you've got to set up for two weeks and still shield the place and people yeah. don't like it. Yeah. You know, they feel it's their part. Yeah. That's why they, and that's and quite well, rightly so. Park, isn't it? But, you know, they do, we do pay the council a considerable amount of money. What sort of, what to be sort of money would, 
would you pay a council to take a park on a public park like that? You'd probably do a deal with them, you know, and it would be be it'd be on a capacity that you'd probably okay. pay a minimum guarantee and then it'll be on a capacity. So okay. twenty thousand people there, rule of thumb, pound a pound a person. Pound a man. One pound fifty a man, something I love like pound that. A man. It's easy, Keeps isn't it? It's simple, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And then you say you've only sold ten thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's only three thousand in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might look a lot more. <laughs> so what other festival London festivals are there? Uh so what have we got? Very summertime, all points east, love box. Citadel's no longer mm. uh, Field Day. You got stuff on Clapham Common. Yeah, SW4. Is that SW4's thing? on Clapham yeah. Common? Yeah, yeah. Madness do their thing there. Um, I operated a show there once with the Ben and Jerry's ice cream brand. It yeah. was good. Uh, that was a free gig mm. um, and free ice cream. That's amazing. Mm, I bet. That's the sort of show you want to go to. No ticket price and yeah. free ice cream. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. uh, but it's a tough one to deal with Clapham. I think Live Nation might run that now. Um, but everyone's looking at every open space in yeah, London. They do yeah. stuff at Kenwood House. Yeah. Uh, they do stuff at um, Kew Gardens. Kew you know Gardens, what yeah. I mean? There's always but something. But they're the quirky parties we all like, right? Yeah. What's the one in the New Forest? Um, there's a new festival going in the New Forest. Ooh. What's the big hotel there? Oh, that's what we're doing. Tewton Glen. Yeah, Tewton Glen. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, is that you, is it? Yeah, 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 assembly. Ah. yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's a touring... Basically, we're putting together uh, 10 or 12 beautiful locations. Yeah. So we have Chewton Glen, we have Bath Royal Crescent, we have a show in Bristol. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Waterston Manor, which mm. is north of London. Um, are these one-day shows, two-day shows? So, that, so this year we're doing uh, Diana Ross and Michael Bublé tours, mm. and they're going through all these venues. Mm. And in 22, we'll do the same thing. We've got next year, 21, we've got Lionel Richie. I think we've got uh, Brian Adams, Brilliant. Diana Ross, Ollie Murs. So so those show, that show at Tewton Glen is kind of family, a bit like a British summertime in Hyde yeah, Park. Okay. You know, lots of VIP. Yeah. Nice day out. Nice basically. people drinking rose. Nice food. Yeah. 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 yeah happy day. Smashing the sound rose. Smashing the Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your, um, you own the Peaky Blinders Festival. Yes. What a great concept that is. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm always, uh, impatient, you know, in, in this industry. And I feel, and I still feel that actually we hit a bit of a ceiling with events, with festival, music festivals. Mm. I think it's a bit homogenous, you mm. know, and f- for all the reasons we're talking about, everyone's competing. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. Uh, everyone's operating at a high level, but I feel there's somewhere else to go. Yeah. So I'm always looking for the new thing. Yeah. Um, Peaky's for me, I was very interested in the whole immersive theatre thing that's yeah. going on. So Secret Cinema and Punch Drunk yeah. and Yumi Bum Bum Train, all these things are massively successful yeah. and it's huge in the States. Yes. And people are investing a lot of time and money into it. And I felt there was room to mix that with a music festival. Mm. So kind of like a wilderness meets secret cinema, yeah, very music-based. Yeah. So you're connected to a brand like Peaky's. Music is really important to that show. Yeah. And people, artists really buy into the show. Yeah. It's a cool, yeah. it's punk TV. Yeah, you know, it really is. Brilliant. So uh, I came up with the idea with my son, yeah. my 19-year-old son. We were literally sitting in our garden having a beer and we were talking about Peaky's because we were both fans. Yeah. And he, he, it was his idea. I'll give him the credit. What's his name? Let's pick Jake, him up. Jake Emerson. Big up Jake Emerson. Yeah. And, and Jake. And I literally, uh, f- through a mate of a mate, got Steve Knight, who's the creator of Peaky Blinders yeah. number yeah. and said, uh, I've got an idea. Do you want to, do you want to meet? And, uh, we met in Soho at a bar. Brilliant. And immediately clicked. Yes. And he's just like me. You know, you'd love him. He's yeah. just like, you know, huge writer, yeah. you know, director, um, with, you know, this huge brand. And he just went, I get it. I completely get it. And we just shook hands. There's no contract. There's never been a contract between me and Steve. Yeah. He's just like, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. And we'll come together. Yeah. Um, so he took me to the set, which is brilliant. Mm. And they were literally in the middle of filming a scene. Where was that? That was up in Birmingham. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's Killian Murphy and, you know, Paul, 
Paul and you know uh, uh, Helen McCrory, and they're all they're all dressed as peakies, yeah. and I mean yeah. I think they're about to you know stab me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they all bought into it immediately. Brilliant. And um, so we had a bit of trouble putting it together because we didn't have much time, and it was it was it was tricky for me personally because uh, I was in the transition between Live Nation and AEG, which was quite awkward. Mm. Um, so I had to kind of keep it under wraps, and then the show was going on to BBC one. So we yep. wanted to go in conjunction with the show. So we, we, we were doing it in London and then we lost the site. So we had to kind of turn it around quite quickly. We did it in Birmingham. It was, it was incredible. Brilliant. I mean, it's, what, everyone fancy dress. Yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, we hadn't really, we, I hadn't thought it was, it's not a dress up show. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's well, not, I think it's people not tacky, would love that, but in Birmingham, yeah. my God, they dress up, you know, and not look, I look a bit piggy proper, like, yeah. you know, look incredible, yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. that show is very important to the people of Birmingham mm. and all the cast turned up. Liam Gallagher played for free. Did he? You know, Primal Screen played. We did fashion show, theatre going. So what you've got is you've got 200 artists. Yep. Uh, this amazing company called Dank Parish who are based in Bristol who do all the Boomtown immersive stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's very good, by the way. Yes, yeah, amazing. Wow. I mean, it's best in the world. That's why. That's world. That's why I got them. Yeah. I went, you guys. Yep. And they're proper festival yes. people, yep. you know, so they know how to interact with people. Yeah. They're you know, quite in your face. Yeah. So you're walking down a street in Birmingham where the Peaky Blinders story actually started, mm. where people were killed by Peaky Blinders yeah. in that street. Yeah. Um, with 200 actors who were acting out this narrative, this blood and studs wow. fight. Plus, you know, 5,000 people that are dressed as Peaky's too. So Brilliant. you're never quite sure who's, who's <laughs> yeah, who's an actor, who's not. And that's, that was the magic of it, wow. you know. Um, so when did you do that? was last year, uh, 2019. Yeah, 29, September 2019. 19, and then 2021, have you got a date and a venue? Yeah, September. We're going to do it at Alexandra Palace in London. Really? So we Ali felt, Ali. so yeah, we, we felt we would follow the narrative of the story, yep. which starts in Birmingham and yep. then the Peakies come down the canal and they come to London. We felt this kind of needs to be in London. Yeah. We got amazing media attention. Yeah. But it's kind of tough to get everyone up to mm. Birmingham, mm. you know. Uh, so we're going to go, we want central London. We talked about doing it in a big park. And, and then I was visiting Ali Pali for something else. And I thought, actually, this is perfect. Great because venue. Because the venue's amazing. It's yeah. the home of the BBC. Home which, of the darts. Home of the darts, exactly. <laughs> do, 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 but do, the do, outside do. area is amazing. So yeah. we're going to we're gonna do like a carnival thing. We're going to have horses out there. Wow. The full immersive experience. Uh, we've got some amazing acts lined up which obviously I can't tell you about yeah, yet. But, yeah. you know, people want to play that show and it's something different, mm. you know. They definitely want to play the show. If Liam Gallagher's playing for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah he deal. wanted to get in the show. He wants to be in the show. And actually what ended up happening, uh, I think I'm okay to say this, is that Steve ended up directing his video. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he said, oh, you do my video and I'll do your show. A win-win. Yeah. Love There was quite a big rider though. Yeah. So it wasn't really Come on, free. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell me his rider. Tell me his rider. Actually, not too bad. Is not it not too, too bad? bad give, me an example, give me an example of Liam Gallagher's rider. Uh, to be honest, Liam's, Liam's a funny one because he's sort of, he, these megastars, yeah. you know, do have quite a challenging lives. So, you yeah. know, whilst the band can, you know, stay in an okay hotel and walk around and do their stuff, Liam is actually mobbed wherever he goes. Yeah. So he's got to be, he has, you deal with him slightly differently. Yeah. And he yeah. sort of flies in, flies out, yeah. to be fair, yeah. the band. Good you know. bloke. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah brilliant. Um, and, you know, loved it. Came on in a, in a, in a peaky's cap and, yeah, you know, totally bought into it. And him and Primal Scream and partying. And it was, it was like the old days, oh, you know, really, really great. Yeah. Have you seen the festival world change over the last 15 years? Because it's really exploded, this world. And you look at your Glastos and you look at your Reddins and you look at your Isla Whites have been going for years. All of a sudden, in the last 15 years, hundreds have popped up. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 15 years ago, you couldn't go and, build a festival and sell a festival now festivals are being sold left right and center to each other yeah i mean if you're if you're a kid and you're doing a festival and i'm not saying you should do this because it's you know it's difficult but if you if you start something really good and homegrown you're probably going to get bought in three years yeah you know you really are yeah um it's it is hard to do that but 
I, I equate it to the village fate. The yeah. festival is the new village fate. Yeah. Everyone's got one. Yeah. You know, the part when I started up, it was Glastonbury and Reading, yeah. you know, and that sort of was your summer, mm. you know, and it didn't matter if you live in Scotland or, or wherever you mm. all traveled. Now you don't need to travel because there's one nearer you. Yeah. Everyone's got a local festival. Yeah. Eden used to be sort of, you know, 60% of people would travel, travel to Eden from mm. outside Cornwall. Now it's like 90% of the audience is in Cornwall yeah. and the rest is in Devon. Yeah. Hardly anyone's coming from London, you know. Unless it's a really exclusive show. Mm. So I think everything's much more localized. Your marketing's much more localized. Mm. Uh, people don't travel quite so much, mm. you know. Listen, we've had some amazing festivals over the years. And ones that I'm really gutted are not here anymore. Secret mm. Garden Party. Yeah. Wow. Secret Garden Party was responsible for a lot. It's so influential. I mean, wilderness would not exist without yeah. the Secret Garden right? Party and probably Boomtown. And, you know, they. Well, ideas wise, you they mean? They sort of pioneered yeah. that. I mean, a lot yeah. of their. A lot of their staff ended up being the directors of Wilderness, actually, Secret wow. Productions. Okay. You know, and they're still there. So a lot of amazing creative That was people. up in Cambridge, isn't it, Secret Garden? Yes. Yeah, Freddie Fellows is Freddie Fellows uh, right. land. I remember yeah. I went up there one year and I had a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. It was brilliant. I think I think both Freddie and Rob Bank, you know, in a way suffered, if you can call it that, uh, but it was definitely impacted by the explosion of the kind of American uh, promoters coming into the UK and they weren't part of it. Mm. And I, I completely understand why they weren't part of it. But one part I of guess what? You, one part of what? So they weren't owned by a Live Nation right, or okay. an AG. Okay. So they were independent. Still. They were independent, yeah. and it, and, but they were big. Yes. So, you know, Rob was out there competing on Stevie Wonder and Elton yeah, John right. and, you know, all these bands yeah. against Live Nation who were going, well, so Elton will give you 50 shows. Yeah. So it was tough for him. Mm. Um, and I think... Freddie probably got to the level where, you know, he, he's a kind of independently mind, mind yeah, guy. Yeah. So he's now doing new stuff at his show. I don't think he wants to be. Yeah, that big. He definitely doesn't want to be Live Nation. Yeah. But I don't think he wants to be 40,000 people yeah. who maybe aren't quite as in tune with the original yeah, concept. Agree. Totally. You know? and, and, you know, festivals do have a sort of limited life cycle, I think. I think it goes in five years, mm. you know, and then you have to reevaluate. Mm. You, you probably have to reevaluate every year. I think really. reinvent every year. Yeah. You have yeah, to you keep have to tweaking, yeah. improving, and bringing new yeah. stuff to the table. So when people come back, they go, wow, they've changed that. Wow, they've added that. Wow. Then they'll keep coming back. Yeah. yeah. You know, but if you can, if you sit on your hands and think people are going to keep turning up 40,000, 50,000 each year, it doesn't happen. It won't no. happen because there's other opportunities that people want to check out. And it, a lot of that I find is in the, in the presentation and the marketing anyway, yes. you know. Sometimes I find myself at four in the morning in Glastonbury going, this is exactly the same as it was in 1988. <laughs> they haven't changed anything. In fact, that sign's love, exactly the same. I love how you mentioned four in the morning. It could, it could look like anything at four in the morning. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, was, um, what do you think? Do you think Best of All grew too quickly? Because they went from a 10, da, 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 it jumped up to 50,000 at one point, And I just noticed a different clientele. I think they, yeah, they had the sort of... <sighs> I think if you're doing something creative and left field like they were and you're pioneering this uh, boutique camping thing, then it's difficult to go up. You know, I think like, like I said about Eden, I think they, they changed when they booked Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> we changed, but yeah. we are that kind of show. Yeah. But I think that brought in the audience, but maybe they weren't really best of all people. Yeah. And I don't want to do them an injustice because, you know, Rob's a good mate. Yeah. Um, as I know you, you too, but, yeah. um, I think it probably got pretty tough to deal with that. And yeah. everything around that show was, mm. was, was hard. And like I say, that barrier of, of the Solent was kind of huge. Especially when the prices kept going up to get the, the ferry across. That's right. You take a car across there and a ferry, you're looking at, couple of hundred quid all of a sudden and also you've got on top of your ticket yeah and you've got the Isle of Wight festival happening yeah. in the same summer yeah having you know David Bowie and the Killers yeah. and you know Metallica a huge artist mm. so you've got two massive festivals on one tiny yeah. island maybe it's a bit unsustainable yeah, yeah. Um, but they then moved Best of All to Dorset here, Lulworth Castle. Camp Best of All and Best of All, that's Camp right. Festival, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they suffered from really bad press. They had an awful drugs death, yeah. which is really sort of well-documented, but it's kind it? of over-documented maybe yeah. because that does happen at other festivals. It felt like that was a bit of a witch hunt yeah. for, for, for Rob. I was there that weekend, in fact. Yeah, and, and was, that's tough. Yeah, it's very, very tough. And, and it was super bad weather. Yeah. Everything was like, oh, God. And I kind of understood why the following year was probably like... Let's just give this a rest. Yeah. I was hoping, 
I spoke to Rob. I was hoping he was going to bring it back. I was hoping yeah. there was going to be a couple of year breathing space and he was going to bring it he back. He may. He may well do. I think he should. You know, Rob, um, if you're listening, mate, definitely bring Best of All back. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see it come back, you know, like how it started. But we all know, you know, the, the great thing about festivals is when you start them, you, you're normally young and naive yeah. and ambitious. And, and you don't really, it's not really about the money. You no. don't want to lose money, yeah. but you, you're not, you know, you just want to do it again the following yeah. year. That's yeah. your life. Yeah. Um, when you get older, it becomes a bit more important, that mm. kind of stuff, you know, mm. and you know, you've got to build some foundation for yourself. Mm. So I hope there's a load of young kids out there that are going to go, right, I'm going to do a festival. I know there are yeah. because my son's always going, I yeah. want to do it. I'm going, oh, well, you think forget of- that, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it, how many kids will want to get into the events world, but can't get into the events world because they there's this myth out there that you've got to go and do an events management degree to get into the events industry. What a load of rubbish. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone that's done that, you know, and uh, I think it's a massive... Uh, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the people you want on your festival site are people that are enthusiastic. And people say to me, how do you get in the music industry? I go, well, do you love music? Yeah. You know, or do you love festivals? Do then you love events? You should be there. Yeah. And if you're there, you're going to be at the bar, you're going to talk to someone. Yeah. And, you know, that's how this industry yeah. works. Yeah. You know, it's all about being out there and selling yourself and being enthusiastic. And that's mm. what you want. Mm. You don't need someone with a degree necessarily. Mm. Absolutely. You know? Well, you don't. I, I, as an employer, I never look at the degree they got. I don't even look at anyone listening out here and you're putting yourself under stress for GCSEs and A-levels. Trust me, employers aren't even looking at that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean I know I come from a different sort of generation, but I know I've never shown my A-level or O-level results no. to anybody, no. ever, no. you know. Um, O-level, you're definitely showing your age there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I think... On the other hand, you know, I've got this friend whose daughter's trying to get into the music industry and uh, to do an unpaid internship at a record yeah. label in London. And uh, she got, she, she phoned me up and said, I didn't get the job. I got down to the last two out of a thousand. Yeah. They're interviewing a thousand people for an unpaid internship. Yeah. So at that point, I think if you can pull out some sort of qualification, yeah. like the thing you're talking about that says, actually, I've done that. I've done this, but more importantly, I'm really interested. I'm so interested that I've actually, you know, put the time and effort into to do this and get a qualification. Mm. That might put you ahead of the other person who's at exactly the same level yeah. as you. And you're like, I love both these people. Yeah. I want them both, but that one actually has got this course. So that's that puts why, them ahead. That's why we're doing the events yeah. course. Yeah. The I online events course. Brilliant idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would definitely do that, you know, if I had my time again, yeah. you know, well, I, just I would said, encourage everyone to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a gap in the market there because if you love events, how do you get into events? No one knows. Well, if you do our event online events course, all of a sudden we're fast tracking. You can do it in three months and we're bringing in hundreds of years of experience of all the people we're putting on the best festivals and events today. Mm. We're not a lecturer from university who's reading out of a book from 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, so once you do our course and get our diploma and get our uh, certificates, that will fast track you to go and work at all the best events around the country. Yeah. And I think- Opens doors. It really does. And I think the main thing that, the thing that was instilled in me when I started in the music industry was get your foot in the door. Yeah. Once your foot is in the door, then you can kind of work out what it is you want to do and if you really want to be there. So my first foot in the door was I knew one person in the music industry and I just hounded him, hounded him, and eventually gave me a number, someone at Stiff Records, an original punk yeah. label. And I just hassled them, phoned and phoned yeah. and phoned them. And eventually they'd say, yep. come and have a chat. Yeah. And as soon as I went and have a chat, they could see that I was enthusiastic and, they, and I wanted to do some crazy job. I'd never even, I didn't even know what yeah. it was. Yeah. And they said, do you want to start selling records on the phone for us? And I went, yeah, fine. I don't care. I'll do anything. Four grand a year. Yeah. You know, so yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. I went out that night with my mates and I went, I'm in the music industry. Yes. It was like I was like the head of yeah. the music industry. Yeah, yeah. And the same with events. You know, yeah. we had a girl who came to, as an assistant to our festival director on Somersault Festival. And she just made herself really useful. She was really nice, really confident. She ended up being the festival director of Wilderness. Yeah. Because... You know, it is as easy as that, really. Absolutely. It's as easy or as hard as you want to make it. Absolutely. The amount of people we get sending CV throughs for Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Can we work? Can we work? The ones that prick up my ears, the ones that are saying, show, I'll show you what I can do. They come and work a festival as a volunteer or or a paid or whatever. All of a sudden, they end up getting a job. Yeah. Because we're like, my God, they've got attention to detail. God, they're hungry. They've got every tick box that universities don't teach you. And, and it's that's also real life experience. You're really on show at a festival mm. because you're there for, you know, 
a week probably yeah, yeah. and you're living with people yeah. cheap by jowl yeah. and you're working them every day and you're doing all you're not just doing the job you're getting the sandwiches in or you're, yeah. you're, you're doing the extra thing that you don't have to do yes agreed. and you know you're being you know, you're nice to work with you're not you know getting too drunk or yeah. whatever it is yeah. you know what i mean you're being professional a smile on your face yeah. and crafting hard yeah. people, people like us festival owners, we clock that 100 we've got 800 yeah. staff who work at our yeah, festival yeah, every yeah. day and you always go He's a good guy. He's, good. He's a great guy. What's his name? Guy. Yeah. Someone grab his name and his mobile number because I see a future for this guy. Yeah, yeah, boy. yeah. yeah. You're that's like, what it's all shit, about. he's going to have my job before yeah. I know it. Yeah, yeah, Come and take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So uh, as a whole, the events industry, do you think we've come together over the past six, seven months? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I like to think so. Um, and I think all – I've certainly – sort of been in touch with people that I might not normally have been in touch mm. with. And uh, my worry in the, with the whole pandemic is everyone just goes back to where they were, mm. you know, and uh, not just in the events industry, but in life generally. Yep. I think we have all come together and everyone's helping people out. Yep. And everyone's had this sort of, you know, Breathing sort, space. Sort of, yeah, just have Reflection. a bit of a reset yeah. on everything, yeah. you know, um, for the great And it was good. needed. It was really needed. And I think... You know, apart from, you know, obviously that, you know, the terrible deaths and, you know, the people that lost their jobs and all the rest of it, I think there'll be many positives to take out of this. And I think in the industry, certainly, because people are going to need a leg up. Yeah. Um, You know, we're booking as i said for for 21 we've got we got 27 shows running in june and july across eden and the stuff i'm doing at assembler and you know so we're gonna have a busy summer it yeah. has to happen yeah um so you're working you're working uh, alongside assembler and they owned by sony yeah so you know I, I was quite fortuitous in a way because when i left live nation uh i i let i kind of had to leave because we sold a percentage of the Eden sessions yep. to AEG. We've done a partnership there. Yep. The reason we did that was because of what I was talking about earlier. I think there's always, you always have to reinvent yourself. Yep. And I think we'd done five years of me blagging a bit with Live yep. Nation and, yep. and, and talent starts to run out. And I'm always very conscious that I don't want to do a sort of B-list festival. Yes. And frankly, Eden works at capacity really well. Yep. Anything less than capacity, you're going to tank yeah, money. Yeah. You know, if one show fails, yeah. it kind of brings the whole thing down. Yeah. So you you have to, and you want to run at that level yeah. anyway. So we just thought we we, we need a guarantee of talent. So yeah. we went to Someone AG. With deep, deeper pockets. Deep pockets, yeah. but really access to talent, yeah. you know. Uh, so that's working really well. And, and they're really good guys. Yeah. So we, we, Great really, guys. we really like them. It's a very good, positive partnership. Um, Toby, Leighton Pope. Steve Homer and Toby Leighton Poe. Yeah, yeah they're, they're the CEOs. Um, and they love Eden. And Eden's a great asset to them. Yeah. So they do, unlike Live Nation's different model, they do fewer, bigger, better events. Yeah. So they do Hyde Park, Coachella, uh, Rock and Sane in France. <laughs> you know, Eden, you know, Eden Sessions is in there. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a great, it's a win-win Absolutely. for them, I think. But after that, I had to, um, leave Live Nation for obvious reasons and I, I went and worked with Toby and Steve on some other stuff yeah. uh, but in the pandemic uh, they kind of let me go yeah. I'll be honest they yeah. went look we still want to work with you but we can't pay a retainer yeah. or anything like that so I have sort of freed up and at that time I was talking to lots of other people and How was that feeling for you being freed up? God, it's just so weird. My wife said, you're, you're nuts. Yeah. I was just like, I, I was like, yeah, I've lost my job. It's brilliant. <laughs> which is, which is nuts. But the reason for that was that I suddenly could go out and talk to other people. Yeah. And I did. And I ended up talking to Ollie Rosenblatt, who runs Sembler, sold his company to Sony last year. Uh, he's a young guy, uh, or everyone's young compared to me. Um, but he's really ambitious. He's really positive. He's a really super nice guy. Yep. Really well connected. He's, he's great. Okay. And, uh, and what they do, which I think is interesting. And this is why we came together is they do a lot. He's, he's got a sort of jazz and theatrical background. He yep. used to work at Jazz FM, yep. lots of theatrical, uh, contacts. So he's buying all sorts. He, he does, he does a tennis series, which they run at the Albert Hall. Yep. He does a lot of, uh, 
live orchestra to cinema stuff. So he does the Joker globally. Um, He's doing Love Actually, which is a Christmas thing with an orchestra at the House of Apollo. Uh, But more importantly, or as importantly, he's really close to Toby and Steve too. Okay. So we're co-proing loads of stuff. And we're all four of us together, like pooling our resources. That's a powerful mind. Yeah, and we're coming up with some great stuff. And we've got some amazing venues, yeah. you know, they've got, you know, some huge artists connected to AG. So in 22, we're just going to really go for it with them. Um, and, you know, the other thing I'm doing is not just Piggy Blinders, but I've got another couple of formats yeah. on the immersive theatre side. So we're going to do that globally as well. Yeah. So we're going to do Peaky's in London next year. We're going to do it in New York the year after. Yeah. And hopefully sort of franchise it around the world wow you know uh, because I think you know this is next level stuff it is next level stuff it's the way forward yeah. mate it's been an absolute pleasure having on the show Joe. thoroughly Likewise. enjoyed these chats yeah yeah Great really enjoyed them thanks Roger cheers buddy cheers please. thanks for listening to the Eventful Entrepreneur join the conversation today review and subscribe for free on iTunes now <laughs>